0: every day at 4 a.m. that was my life Uh, anybody here a swimmer or a runner cross-country track anybody okay anybody that's been a part of your life so there's something that you do um, when you're a swimmer and a big race is coming up right like a semifinal or state or like whatever is is on the is on the board which is that you prepare for a big race where you want to go really fast where you want to be able to finish where you want to be able to do a better time than you've ever done before which is that during practice, in the weeks leading up to that race, you make everything harder for yourself. (laughs) So you uh, don't shave any of the hair on your body, right? So that on race day, you can shave, and then you'll feel faster. Definitely, this makes practically no difference, right? But like you feel like you're making a really, really big impact. Um, One thing that does make more of an impact is drag suits. So I would keep, every time I wore out a swimsuit by swimming in it too much, I'd keep it and then the couple of weeks before a race, I'd put two or three drag suits on top of my practice suit so that I was weighed down in the water, right? I had more to fight against during practice so that then when race day came, I would feel like I was flying. (laughs) I would feel like I was soaring. I would feel a lightness that would carry me through and make it easy and make me fast. This is what I imagine. When I read this passage about what it is to run the race of life, <laughs> to run the race of living in a world that can be harmful and unjust and confusing, and yet be alive in Christ and continue to go on the race, continue to do the things. It says, let's bring up that first slide. Um, Okay, it says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy, for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Because of the cloud of witnesses, Because of those who have come before us, because of those that lived before we lived, and because of Jesus, who has shown us a different way of being alive, who has made us promises about what the world can be, about what the kingdom might look like, because of the ancestors talking to us, and because of who Jesus is, this passage says, we might feel that free to soar (laughs) in life. We might feel unburdened. Those things that cling so closely and hurt us and weigh our shoulders down. We might be freed of them. If only we remembered the cloud of witnesses who did it before us and the Jesus who has promised us it is possible. It's a deeply hopeful passage. um, And and some people, I think, for that reason, have found it cheesy, right? Like it's, like it's just a little too earnest or a little too uncool. They like put it off the, <laughs> the list of scriptures to read to one another. But I, I, this, for me, is what life has been. The, the it's reality tested. It is, it is what has been both hard and beautiful about being a person who is alive, that there is so much joy in life, but there's so much hardship, too for me at least, this might not be true for you, a lot of life feels like it weighs me down. feels like it's hard, feels like it's hard to get through and that's particularly true when it comes to the parts of life that we've been talking a lot about this month in our sermon series, um, Courageous Conversations, Collective Liberation, which is racism and the oppressions that are a part of the world that can feel so overwhelming that to imagine living an individual life that has any impact on them can seem silly or childish or simply impossible, right? Given how deep racism is baked into all of the world, (laughs) into all of the systems of it, into all of the parts of our experience, it can feel, how dare I say, that my living differently that my trying to live as an anti-racist person, that the church trying to be an anti-racist community or institution could have an impact on that weight, on that level of harm. And yet, and yet, that is what so many ancestors have done before us. They have found within them that capacity to imagine a world that was better than the one they inhabited. They endured pain and shame and hardship and said this does not have to be how it is forever. I believe that things can be different. This is true of heroes, personal and public. (laughs) One of the ones I think about a lot, um, she just really matters to me, reading her her biography kind of changed my life in college is Ella Baker. Um, who's one of the kind of unsung heroes of the Civil Rights Movement. She was critical, she was core to many of the student organizations that got started during the Civil Rights Movement in the United States. She planned and strategized many of the greatest boycotting campaigns and marches alongside people like Reverend Martin Luther King who you did hear about in school. Um, And she did so with a humility and with a way of being sustained in the work that I think about all the time. She was one of the people who they would always send to talk to young people and to youth um, because she had been working for decades on radical democracy and taking apart racism and the structures of Jim Crow, right? Like this was her life, she did it. Um, And she had a way of being that invited people into that life with her. Where she was steady, and she was solid, and she was inviting. Um, And part of it was that she had these radical dreams. She believed that the world could be different. But she also would help young people see that if the world wasn't different tomorrow, that didn't mean that the work you had done was useless or should be abandoned. that if you were living under the pain of racism, right, a lot of the young folks she talked to were black people living under massive powers of the state arrayed against them, of their communities arrayed against them, that she could paint a picture of an empowered life lived with hope (laughs) that people could follow into the future even if they wouldn't see it all the way to the end of the race. She showed people how to live in a way where you continue to believe in your human dignity and the possibility of communities to be different and be a person in the midst of it. Have connection and friendship um, and soul work. And I think about her, right? If she could do what she did, I can do the much more minor task to which I have set myself. (laughs) The much more minor task which I have been given. I think about her. For you, the ancestor might be different. It might be the Mendez children, right? These kids, Mexican-American school children in California who sued the state for access to integrated schools eight years before Brown versus Board of Education. People don't know their names because they didn't win, and yet their lives made my life possible, (laughs) made your life possible, made a world, where integrated schooling still has not been achieved in our country, and we still must all fight for it, more possible. If those are our ancestors, if those are the people who came before, what might we be able to do? And if Jesus is the Jesus who he says he is, someone who envisions and has already announced a world that is just, a world where we are equal, a world where we are held in our personal, um, spiritual needs, where we are beloved, and we are known and we are seen, and that is true of our entire community. (laughs) Nothing tears anyone down, nothing takes anyone away. Everyone gets to live a full human life. If we believe that Jesus has already announced that, then yes, we can say by the power of ancestors and Jesus, I can get through whatever this life has to offer. I may not see the end of the race. I may not create an anti-racist society by next week right? This will probably be beyond all of us. And yet, there is a life we can live, there is a race we can run that shows honor to the Jesus who has declared what kind of world is possible, and to the people who came before us who fought for it. And there's this piece of rabbinic wisdom that I repeat to myself over and over and over again, which is, it is not yours to finish the work, but neither may you abandon it, right? (laughs) Too often, we put on ourselves the pressure of perfection when what is being asked of us is faithfulness. Faithfulness to a vision of who Jesus is asking us to be. Faithfulness to a vision of what the world could be and then finding our place to carve out wherever we are (laughs) to bloom where we have been planted to live in the life and the sphere of influence we have been given with the friends and the family and the job and the block we have been given, and find ways to live out the vision of Jesus's kingdom there, the vision of racism ending there, and know that if we do not complete the work, yet Jesus and the ancestors will sustain us to run the race, and it will be a race we can run with joy, because it says that that is why Jesus made sacrifices, not in order to be a sad martyr of destruction, but because it was joyful to live for a world of justice, because it was joyful to know a God who loves you, because there is joy when we live faithfully towards what we believe the world can be like. I wanna show you, I think we have a picture, I'm gonna look up at the, do we have a picture? I think we do, yes. Um, This is Derek Redmond, anybody know Derek Redmond? So, oh, okay. Um, so, uh, he was a British runner in the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. Uh, and he had this extraordinary experience that I didn't know about until somebody told me about it this week. I was, you know, six years old. I was not following the Olympics incredibly closely. Um, but somebody told me his story. And it's a story that, to me, sustains me, I think, in the work Jesus is calling me to do. And Derek was running a 400 meter race. And in the middle of the race, his Achilles tendon snapped. And I don't know how many of you know about the Achilles tendon, but that is so painful. So painful, there's an entire mythology built around it, right? So painful, (laughs) there's a whole universe of stories built around how painful that would be. But he continued to hobble towards the finish line, right? Because that was the goal he had set, and as he was doing that, his father ran out onto the field to be with him. His father ran out and held his hand and went with him as they walked uh, forward together. And I think that's the feeling we get (laughs) when we rely on the ancestors and when we rely on Jesus. Not that pain is eliminated, not that things are made easy immediately, but that pain shared is pain halved, (laughs) that distance shared is distance made loving and beautiful, and that we might trust that there are people who want to be on the journey with us, who want to support us in the hard work of being alive, who Jesus has promised us can be champions for us and with him for the task that has been set before us. We might not finish it, but we can move forward with one another, with those who love us, with those who have supported us, and with those who, though we may not see them, are still holding our hand, including Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of us all, who has promised us that if we take on that task, it will be one of joy and one of justice. Amen.